Um, hey, let me pray. We'll look into God's word. God, we're grateful. We are grateful for uh, not just your work in our life, but for your work through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, we would say we believe in the Holy Spirit. We even have a sign that says we want to honor the Holy Spirit, which essentially means we want to acknowledge that, Holy Spirit, you're real and you're active in our lives. And not just real and active, you are absolutely vital and necessary for us to have the kind of spiritually vital life that we so long for. So, uh, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of everyone here, eyes of our hearts, open our ears, uh, encourage us where we feel discouraged, give us life where we feel death, and uh, lead us down the pathway of fullness of joy that, that, that you, the Word of God promises us. Let me ask this all in your name. Amen. So today's another, uh, today's like a, a standalone service. I usually do sermons that are a series. If you were here last week, you might find it. If you weren't here last week, I did, I talk about Jesus' spitting, but there were some good things about that. But today is just a one, a one Sunday series, and you might ask, maybe you don't ask, maybe you don't wonder how I, how I get to these things. This is one where I just, I gen, and this works for everyday life kind of stuff, I just I generally was asking God this week, what do, the, what do the people of Exodus need to hear? What, what do you want us to hear? What do we need to hear? And I just kind of pay attention to things I'm reading, things I'm listening to, thoughts that come to my mind that I think aren't random. And so today I just wanted to talk about uh, singing, all right? And the question of the day is, why do we sing? Go to the one that says, why do we sing? So, you know, John led this morning. Aaron leads a lot. We sing. Um, you know, it's work for John and Aaron to figure out chords or... Kara plays the keyboard sometimes, and, and we sing, and sometimes we sing because we like, we like to hear ourselves sing. Um, I mean, I do. My wife doesn't always like to hear me sing, but anyway. But we like the sound of singing. It, it does something good for us. Um, but we sing. There, there's more that's going on, and I, I think I prayed this way, than just the sound waves bouncing off the ceiling and bouncing back, or the sound waves vibrating our eardrums and then we understand and hear what's being hap what's happening so because singing at least in the bible there's something different about singing it's more than just a concert setting it's more than just wow this church has a really cool you know pipe organ or an orchestra and we sing and it sounds so great and you kind of get these emotional feel goods because the sound is so awesome but the emotional feel goods and the, 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 the wow of the sound is not what the Bible talks about, how singing happened, what, what, what the most important part of singing. It's good to have those things, but there's something else goes on when we sing. And so there's, I'm going to give three different examples in Scripture where they sang in situations where everything about the situation would dictate they not sing. Right? We usually sing when we're in a good mood, you go to a concert, you do this or whatever. Most often we don't sing when we're in one of those dark places. But there's, there's more than this, but I'm picking three from Scripture where they sang in situations where you and I would say, wow, that would be hard to do. And, but the reason they sang had a supernatural reaction because, again, I've said this before, Christianity is, we're not, we're not a moral religion, we're not a political religion. Christianity at its core is a supernatural reality. So we believe things happen supernaturally when we respond in ways the Bible encourages us to, all right? So here's story number one. This is just part of the story. It'll fill in the blank. So read this out loud with me, all right? Here we go. 
Singers walked ahead of the army singing to the Lord. All right? You might know this story. You might not. You might think of, okay, singers walking in front of an army. What's going on here? You might think of, uh, you know, drum and bugle corps or whatever. But here's the situation. Uh, the king uh, of Judah, which was part of Israel at that time, was a guy named Jehoshaphat. One of the fun names to say of the Bible. They had just kind of, uh, things had Things were going okay for them, and then all of a sudden the king finds out that three or four countries were amassing an army to come up against them. And it was going to be probably a five-to-one ratio of army size. And the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 20 that Jehoshaphat was terrified. Not just afraid, not just upset. The Bible tells us uh, he was terrified. And so were the people, because this army coming against them, there was no chance of them winning. No chance. Um, so Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do. So he calls the people together, he has the people pray, calls the people together, they actually fast as a, as a nation. Basically, when you fast, you're trying to hear from God. You're not trying to get points with God, you're just trying to hear, God, what do you want us to do? And then one of my favorite lines of prayer in the Bible comes from Jehoshaphat's Mouth. He's actually praying in front of the people. They're, so it's days away from these armies coming in and just wiping them out. I mean, they are going to be wiped out. There's no chance. And he's praying in front of the people out loud. And he ends his prayer with this line. This is one of my favorite lines from Scripture. And I think it's a great line to remember to pray. He basically says this, We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. So he basically says, God, you look at all the things you've done in our lives. You've been faithful to us. Right now, we don't know what to do. This is the king saying this to all the people, but he's praying. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. I'm guessing there's times in your life you felt that way. God, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you for help. It sounds like a helpless situation, but it's a helpless, but a really strong situation because you're basically, I don't know what to do. So he, he, he prays that, and again, this is you know, days away. And then what happens is uh, somebody in the group kind of gets this prophetic word from God, and he tells them, you don't need to worry. You just need to go out with the army and stand still and watch and see what God will do. It seems kind of counterintuitive because when we face problems that are overwhelming and fearful, we want to do something. We want to fix it. You've got to figure out, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? But the word of the Lord through this prophetic person was to stand still and watch. Again, the desolation of their country is a couple days away. Just stand still and watch. And I'm, if you and I might have been in the crowd, might have been like, okay, I hear that. But then, as part of standing still and watching, the king had this sense, and I think there were some people they said he had talked to, got him advice, and he said, what we're going to do. The choir is going to go out in front of the army into battle. And if you and I are in the choir, we're like, excuse me? <laughs> what, what's going to happen here? No, you guys go first. You know, I just, I just watched this four-hour movie about the Civil War a couple weeks ago, and I'm in, you know, they, they're marching toward each other, and I'm imagining putting a choir in front, you know. But the choir was told, you're going to go first. This was part of their understanding of, okay, you're going to, we don't have to do anything. You're just going to watch and see. 
So the choir goes first, and they see the armies out there that are their oppressors. And it says the singers walked ahead of the army singing to the Lord. And basically their song was, uh, the Lord is good, his love endures forever. And we don't know what the tune was, but they must have sang, the Lord is good, his love endures forever. Then scripture tells us this, at the very moment they began to sing, at the very moment they began to sing, the enemy, through God's doing, was thrown into confusion and they started fighting each other. Remember, it was four different countries who had unified together to fight Israel. But the Bible tells us at the very moment they started singing to the Lord in front of the army, but they're marching out to the enemy. At the very moment that happens, the enemy sent to confusion. They basically start killing each other. They start fleeing, and the army of Israel doesn't have to even raise their spear. They simply go and gather all the booty that's left behind. And you might think, well, how did that happen? It's like, well, there, there's, there seems to be, and we should read the passage in 2 Chronicles 20, a strong connection to when they started singing, something started happening. And it wasn't because the musicalness of their singing. It was somehow in them praising God, something shifted in the world that we don't see, and God started doing something. So one of the things, and I have these yellow cards here, and the first one is because this is a situation where they were overwhelmed and afraid. So, so one of my... One of my Challenges you is sing when you feel overwhelmed and afraid. And you might think, well, that sounds a little cheesy, right? Here's one of my overwhelmed and afraid things, all right? I'm just be personal here. I, there's times where I think, I'm, I'm only 59, but there's times where I think, we don't have enough money for retirement. And we've been paying our kids' college bills, and we have one more to go, and so there's times where I feel overwhelmed and afraid. So do I go to Fifth Third Bank and drive around the bank and sing and see if my money grows? No, that, that's not what I'm talking about. But there's times where it might, it's good for me to sing over my fear and sense of being overwhelmed, trusting that God will show us the path. I mean, we're not bankrupt, but you know what I'm saying. It's not like some of you, you know, whether it's with with Knox or other things. There's health situations that are way more overwhelming and fearful. But are there, there, there are times where singing over a situation, and you might think, what do you mean by that? Sometimes it's just a matter of, I've sang in my car before why I've thought about a certain situation that I didn't know what to do. I had the same prayer of Joseph. I don't know what to do, God. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed and afraid about this situation. Could be health. It could be money. One time I was going into a meeting where I was, I was anticipating tension. This was years ago. I was anticipating tension in the meeting or at least a lack of clarity. And I was afraid. I felt a little overwhelmed. And I just sang in my car. And the whole time I was thinking about the person I was going to be meeting with. Okay, God, you, you can bring peace to this meeting. So maybe there's a time, maybe there's something in your life you feel overwhelmed and afraid about. And I put pens on your chairs. If you want to write something in there, you can. I'm just telling you, you don't have to. I'm just saying I have a dollar sign written in mine because there's times I get overwhelmed and afraid about money. Whether it's right or not, whether I feel that way, I do feel that way, but I think of how do I. So there's times where it's wise and even a godly thing to sing over something. I don't, I don't hold my checkbook and sing. Um, I don't 
Like I said, I don't drive around Fifth Third Bank and sing, but there's times where I sing over problems that I feel overwhelmed and afraid about because it's basically a, a, I'm going to acknowledge that God is good, and I'm going to acknowledge he can do, he can open a path. Doesn't doesn't get me off the hook for responsibility where I can't just go spending money. All, I still need to be wise, but I know that God will open a path. All right. So this is, that's story number one of singing where it doesn't make any sense. All right. Story number two. This is from Isaiah 54. So the the nation of Israel had just returned back from being in exile. They had been in Babylon. Their country had been decimated, and they were coming back to Israel. But they were a decimated number. Um, there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of just weariness. And, and, and the prophet Isaiah starts out with this phrase, Sing, O barren woman, you have never given birth. So he's talking about Israel, but the clear analogy is, okay, there's a, if a woman in, in that culture, I mean, today, even in, this, in our culture today, if, somebody, if a couple can't have a baby, there's a lot of sadness, tension, even maybe some shame about it. In the culture of that day, if a woman could not bear a child, it was like shame, capital S. It was sadness, capital S. Because the worth of a woman in that time in that culture was seen as, if you can bear children, you have value. So think of Think of a situation. Think of the situation where this a woman, who's been uh, maybe for years wanted to have a child. She's barren. Sometimes it was legitimate. It, it was wasn't God's will. But sometimes in those cultures, a man could divorce his wife if she couldn't carry a child. So think think about how the barren woman felt shame, sadness. Because she wasn't fruitful. And how cruel it almost sounds for God to say to that barren woman, sing. Sing. You've never given birth. Sing. Because your shame, later on in the psalm, or in the the prophet's chapter here, says because your shame is going to be taken away from you. Your sadness will be taken away from you. Again, a situation where it seems ludicrous to encourage somebody to sing. I mean, I would, you know, if I would tell somebody who was trying to have a baby after 10 years of being barren, I would say, we just need to go home and sing. It sounds a little cheesy, but it's more than that. It's more like, you know, it's acknowledging that God can do whatever he wants to do. So now the question is, okay, what about you? What areas of your life do you feel maybe, what I'll just say, dry and barren? Like you've prayed for things to happen, nothing's happening. You may have prayed for somebody you know, family member who's away from God, doesn't know God, and you just feel like your prayers are fruitless. There's no fruit to your prayers. In that sense, you feel like my prayers are barren. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. And then God tells us, we'll sing. And it's not that you singing is also going to make things change overnight, but it changes something in us. It moves the heart of God. And I'll be, I'll be honest on this one. What I wrote down on this one, and, and this was actually, the, this was the, actually the, the chapter that kind of motivated me even looking into this the supernatural power of song. When I feel dry and barren, I wrote down Exodus Church. 
Not because of you, because I've thought before, okay, God, I think, I think we're doing what you want us to do, but I'm, we're not, I'm not seeing the fruit that I think you wanted us to have. And that, yeah, that would mean more people. But I don't want people from, coming from other churches. I want people who don't know you to somehow get to know you and be a part of who we are. Because isn't that the fruit we want? Isn't that what we want to see? You think of people you know who aren't Christians. And you think, wow, they just seem so far from God. And you may have prayed for them. You may have talked to them. You may have done all kinds of things, and you're like, I, I'm just not seeing any fruit. And there's times, I'll just speak as your pastor, there's times where I feel, I do feel a little bit, of, a, sometimes a sense of shame, like, wow, I wish our church was bigger. And I tell God, okay, God, I think we're doing what you ask us to do. And we don't want fruit for our sake. I want fruit because I do want it. I think of my neighbors. I think of people who, who don't go to church anywhere. And I think, God, how are they supposed to come to know you? And how, how can we be a more fruitful church? And you've, you've been around Exodus. We've done different things. And there's times I think, oh, we should do this. And you don't know how many times pastors get emails that tell us, if you try this program, your church will grow. And it just after a while, they kind of feel um, a little bit shallow. You know, it's all about if you advertise better and do this better and do that and do things like that. Well, those are all things that you can do out of your human power. I want to see fruit in my life, through my life. You want to see fruit in and through your life because it, you know it's God doing something. Again, it doesn't, doesn't excuse us to be responsible to work hard and try to figure out what God wants us to do or talk to our neighbors or I take opportunity to talk about Jesus to people when you have the opportunity. But we cannot manufacture fruit. <laughs> there was a, there was a, a pastor used an analogy one time, and what he said was, a lot of times churches will, uh, they'll say, wow, we're really, woohoo, we're really going. And he used an analogy of surfing. But he was kind of like, so a lot of times you, churches are simply just paddling really fast on the surfboard, but they're saying they're surfing. But it's their energy that's getting them going. And his, his statement was, I'm waiting for a wave of God to come. And yes, we should be ready to ride the wave. We have to be trained and practice about how to ride the wave. But we cannot create the wave. And I get so many emails that kind of tell pastors, here's how you can make the wave happen. But I don't, I don't want a man-created wave. Neither do you. How do we learn to recognize when God's moving Maybe in the life of one of your friends and loved ones or neighbors. How do you recognize that and have a conversation? How do we recognize when God may be moving in Bloomington and we figure out we've got to do something with this? But not, not the energy of wisdom or human power, but it's understanding when spiritual things are generated because God generated. So what do you feel dry and barren about? Maybe you can write somebody's name down in that blank. Maybe there's somebody that you think, I've prayed for this person for years and I'm not sure anything's going to happen. Or I've prayed for this situation in my life to bear fruit for years. Maybe it's in your marriage, and I just don't think anything's going to happen. And you're, you're to that point where you're starting to think, I just don't think anything's going to happen. I know I should keep praying, but I want to encourage you, maybe there's times not to sing over these things. And I, again, it's not a magical incantation to sing the right song or whatever, but when you sing over something, it maybe changes your perspective. We do know from Scripture that the songs move God. Because what happens as a result of this 
prayer is that the nation of Israel, which had been full of shame and smallness, all of a sudden God says, you need to, you need to start adding on to your house. You need to build extra rooms on. You need to expand your territories. You're going to have a lot of extra things going on. And again, a barren woman's thinking, now that seems almost cruel to tell me that. But that's God saying that. So maybe there's a situation in your life where you feel dry and barren and maybe ready to give up on even hoping to bear fruit in your life. And it seems like singing seems awkward or odd, but I'm going to encourage you to. All right. Last example. This is in uh, Acts chapter 16. This story you might know more of, but uh, read this out loud with me. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Where were Paul and Silas? In prison. They're actually in the inner dungeon of the prison in the city of Philippi. So singing in prison is odd. Singing when you're in the inner dungeon of prison. You can imagine darkness and rats and... That's even odder. But what preceded this even makes it seem more unlikely to sing because Paul and Silas were in the town of Philippi talking to people about Jesus. They were being followed around by this young woman who had an evil spirit in her who enabled her to predict the future for people. And the people people who owned this young slave girl were making a lot of money off this girl predicting people's futures. And this girl kept following Paul and Silas around during their ministry in Philippi. And finally, Paul, the scripture says in Acts 16, Paul turned around and said, I command you to come out of her. And this evil spirit came out of her. But because of that, the owners were ticked off. They told the Philippian government officials, this Paul and Silas, they're teaching us things that we can't, we're not supposed to do as Roman citizens. And this is one of those times where it's easy to skip over in Scripture. said the officials commanded Paul and Silas be arrested and beaten with wooden rods. All right? They commanded to be arrested and beaten with wooden rods. And put in prison. So not only were they singing in a dark dungeon that was the inner dungeon, and I didn't mention this, their feet were in shackles. They had also just been beaten up like with wooden rods by other men. So we can assume blood, bruises, maybe even broken bones. They didn't have a hospital unit in the Philippian jail, so they were probably still dried blood, a lot of pain, all because they confronted uh, the spirit of darkness. They were beaten with wooden rods, they're in prison, And then the scripture says they were praying and singing hymns to God. How unlikely is that? If that was me, not only arrested in prison in a dungeon and beaten with wooden rods, I don't know that my first impulse would be sing. It almost sounds fake. But they did. Because there was a faith that Paul and Silas had that was way bigger than their physical reality. So they were praying and singing hymns to God. And then what happened? Scripture tells us as they were singing, suddenly there was an earthquake. Well, that's coincidental, right? 
as they were singing and praying to God, and the other prisoners were listening, other prisoners who would not have been followers of Jesus, suddenly an earthquake happens. Suddenly, the doors of the prison, door, prison fling open because the earthquake has so rattled the building, their chains of their legs even fall off. They're free to go. They don't. But the, the head jailer, he, he is aroused, he's woken up by the, by the earthquake, sees the doors open, and he is assuming all the prisoners have already left. And in that culture and that day, it would be his life taken because the prisoners escaped. He draws his sword and is ready to kill himself. And Paul shouts from the darkness of the inner dungeon, don't kill yourself, we're all still here. And then this Philippian jailer, who was obviously not a follower of Jesus, it was pagan, kind of Roman, he comes to Paul and Silas and says, he's amazed at what happened. He probably heard them singing. He probably experienced the earthquake and saw things shake up, and he knew they didn't leave. And he goes to Paul and Silas and says, will you please tell me what I must do to be saved by the God you're talking about? He, sorry, he cleans up their wounds. He nurses them. He brings them to his own house. Paul and Silas talk to them about Jesus. The whole household becomes followers of Jesus. The whole household becomes baptized. And you might say, well, maybe the singing was just kind of an extra detail as part of this story. Seems to me might, might, like it might have been the catalyst of what was going on. Because God is moved by the praises of his people. We're not just singing to the ceiling and to the rafters of each other's eardrums. Something happens. So then the question is, okay, my last question on this yellow card is, what do you feel beaten and weary about? This would be an issue more of like, uh, you feel like there's a need for deliverance in your life. Or maybe somebody you know who just, you just feel like they, they just can't get out of the situation they're in. Or you might feel like I've tried to kind of break out of this issue or whatever, and I can't. I can't. Or I don't think it's possible, and you may be ready to quit. Because this situation calls for a, a, a kind of deliverance that only God can do. And I have, I have on here, I, I have somebody's name, they're not here today, but somebody's name who I care about a lot. And it's not my wife, Kathy's sick today, by the way. But it's somebody who I care about a lot who has an issue they, that doesn't seem to see a way out of. And so I thought, God, how do I pray for this person who I really love and care about? Because I'm kind of weary. I kind of feel beat up because I, I don't see things changing. All right. All three of these stories, where there's the army facing overwhelming odds, a barren woman who feels incredible shame because she can't bear a child, or Paul and Silas who are beaten with wooden rods and stuck in a prison cell. All three of these are situations where every one of us would say, I could see myself giving up. I could see myself kind of quitting, at least spiritually quitting. But all three of these, because they were prompted by the Spirit of God, they sang. And then something changed. Again, I'm, I'm not saying singing is magical. I'm not saying, you know, it's not like putting a 50 cents in a candy machine. You pull the lever, you sing the right song, and God will fill up your checking account. It's not that way. But there's something that changes when we sing, especially over something that we feel overwhelmed, afraid, dry, barren, beaten, or weary about. All right? 
So at this point, I'm going to trust that you've written at least something on your card. I'm, we're not going to share. Nobody's going to... Um, Actually, let me ask this, because this, I, I thought about this, and I wasn't... Does anybody want to share anything they wrote down? I know it feels vulnerable, but I just want to know. Anybody interested in just sharing what they wrote down for one of the things? If not, that's okay. I just thought sometimes it's good when other, when other people share things, you're like, oh, that encourages us. Who said that? Judy. Going back to work. You, you, there's no fruit in you to do that. Okay. Somebody else. Thanks, thanks, Judy. Someone else. But you want to share what you wrote down? Overwhelmed about your kids and their spiritual lives. Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. All right. We could, some of us can relate to that. Yeah, Sadie. Weary is a heavy thing. It's a very heavy thing. Thanks, Sadie. Anybody else want to share? You don't have to. I, I find it encouraging when I feel like, when I realize other people are as broken and weary as I am. <laughs> None of us have our act together, right? Anybody else? Okay, here's what I want us to do. Um, I'm going to... Uh, Every once in a while, I get, I get stuck on a new song that I've heard, and I get kind of like almost obsessed with it. But I just call it kind of a godly obsession, so it doesn't sound so psychologically weird, all right? So this particular song, it just called, it just, it's, it's, the words are simple. It's just go to, the, go to the next slide. It's just, Hosanna in the highest, let her king be lifted high, Hosanna, all right? So I just want to go ahead and stand. We're going to sing, they're going to sing through the first part of it, and then, and then we'll do something about singing over the issues we wrote down. So, uh, so I just want you to, uh, you know, we'll sing, it, it, they sing through the chorus twice, I think, and feel free to sing along, I'm going to sing along, and then I'll stop it, and then we're going to do something with our yellow cards, because I want us to sing over the things that bring us uh, fear, barrenness, Weariness, etc. All right. So, see if I can get my. We couldn't get the technology to work on the over the big speaker, so I'm going to try my small speaker. Here it is. Even as we're singing this, even be thinking about what you wrote down. But we'll do something with it in a second here. goes like this. Hosanna in the highest. Let our King be lifted up. Hosanna means Lord, save us. No, same back. Back to the other one. Hosanna 
in the highest. Let our King be lifted up. Hosanna. Now I want you to close your eyes and raise your yellow cards. Close your eyes. Sing along. You know the words. Hosanna in the highest. Uh, in the highest. In the highest. Let our king be lifted up. Let our king be lifted up. Hosanna. Just repeats again. Hosanna. God, I'm going to pray right now uh, over Sadie and her anxiety, and we sing over that. Pray for Judy and over her energy and wanting to be fruitful at work. Pray for the Followells. Pray for their kids, that they would uh, have their eyes open to follow Jesus. And Jesus, for all the things we've written on our cards, or even the things we didn't write, but we wanted to write, uh, we sing over these issues, acknowledging that you're the king, and you and only you are the one that can bring life into these situations. So we lift you up, Jesus. We do cry out to you, Hosanna, because only you can save us. Now sing this, this just shifts here. Next slide. Higher, be lifted higher. Jesus, you be lifted higher. Higher, be lifted higher. Jesus, you be lifted higher. Higher. Be lifted higher. Thus you be lifted higher. Higher. Be lifted higher. Let, let, let our King be lifted up. This is the last slide. Let our King be lifted up. 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 Hosanna. Jesus, we, uh, we will respond to you and sing over these issues in our lives, whether it's in our cars, in the quiet of our homes, 
um, because we want to acknowledge that you can bring life uh, out of death. You can bring hope out of despair. You can bring victory out of fear. You can do anything. And and we're asking you in the spirit of Hosanna, which is a crying out like, Lord, save us. You, we can't do it. We Like Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do. But we're looking to you for help. And God, I do pray. I'm going to pray just for fruitfulness for us as a church. Pray that you would uh, open up ways for us, open up whether it's ideas or ways or the way your spirit moves in people's lives. Uh, we want to see fruitfulness. We want to see people who don't know you start to walk with you. We want to see people who are maybe a neutral about you or oblivious, or even people who have been prodigals, who've walked away from you. We want to see them come to know you and follow you and become part of our family because it's part of your family, it's part of your desire. So, Jesus, we pray for that. We pray for fruitfulness in our lives individually. Uh, even with friends and neighbors who don't know Christ, would you even open up conversations that seem to come out of nowhere that we're just thrown into our laps to have a conversation about Jesus. It doesn't feel awkward or forced, but it just becomes natural because your spirit's gone ahead of us on this. So we, again, we sing over our children, we sing over our anxieties, we sing over our fears, we sing over our uh, weariness, because you alone can change those things. We can't. We can, we can try, but it doesn't, it seems to be a hopeless human endeavor. And we're grateful, Jesus, that you do those things. And even as we head into communion, we know that those, that's only possible because, because of your death and resurrection, Jesus. You opened up this new way, this new way for us to experience the spiritual power of God that comes through your Holy Spirit, that the Bible says now is in us because of your death and resurrection. So we're grateful, and I pray that that will become real in our lives. And I pray that even in the days that come, um, we, uh, we notice a shift in things you're doing in our lives. And we continue to have this humble posture of uh, we lift you up as the king and we need your help. We want to see what you want to do. And we will do what we, maybe the hardest part of the prayer is we're going to do whatever you ask us to do, Jesus, to move forward out of the situations we find ourselves in. And we ask it all in your name, Jesus. Amen.